Welcome to episode 51 of Behind the Sport. Who would have thought we got to 51, Brent? Man, I can't believe there's enough people that want to talk to us to make it to 51, let alone well, enough people that want to keep listening to us. And in the in the, in the thousands, you know, like it's <laughs> it's crazy. I'm just having a look at yesterday's stats and uh, yesterday was the busiest. We nudged just under 100 uh, unique people listening to the podcast just yesterday alone, which, you know, is uh, getting us on trend for uh, for a few thousand in the month. So, yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Crazy um, people. Yeah. It's, I don't know. It's just, it's just really cool. And, like, obviously, you know, we just thought it was something fun and, and to help you know, cover the local stuff that, that we enjoy. But obviously there's a, there's a few more mugs than us that uh, have similar thoughts or, uh, you know, like the idea of what we do. Well, funnily enough, um, and, you know, obviously with, with our 50th episode guest, Justine, I didn't really want to go into stats because I did the whole boring intro. It wasn't boring for, for us, but... You know, didn't want to keep it for too long. Um, yeah, the the stats we went through all our previous guests, but the the stats are pretty interesting. Like seventy six percent of our listeners are in Australia, which I thought that would have been much higher. Yeah, twelve point three percent of our listeners are actually in the United States, which is crazy, and nine point two percent are in New Zealand. Yeah, cool. But that's because they're all good bros over there. Well, you're biased, so we'll just leave it at that. And the Yankee ones could just be me listening to the podcast over and over again on a proxy server. No, it's <laughs> actually set up. You're not supposed to say that crap. <laughs> oh, my God. Not, not that many numbers, that's for sure. But, uh, no, yeah, that's but... bizarre. People in the States, eh? Yep, yep. Few in, uh, few in Canada. Huh. Smattering in the United Kingdom, South Africa, um, and India. There's a smattering there. All the South African guys must be relatives of, of Wiz down at Motik and Bunbury. Who knows? But, uh, yeah. That's cool. That's actually pretty cool. Any far out weird countries on the list? Like, you know, I'm so weird, um, like, you know, island of whatever or. I said Sri Lanka, didn't I? Oh, no. But, yeah, cool. Yeah. Any Malaysians that it, you know, is the taxi driver on that tips your car over oh, after just yeah. a bang? Um, <laughs> just ignoring that. Um, and Czech Republic. Cool. cool. Different. So yeah, bit of a bit of a mixture. Um, bit of a mixture there, and um, it, it was funny. You know, bumped into a few people who've been listening uh, to the episodes at the supercars. Um, which was you know, just pure, purely, uh, I think at the time I had my, my tabard off, so I actually was, you know, ripping the... the um, oh, the, the BMW hoodie. hoodie. Yeah, the, it's not the BMW hoodie. <laughs> I was repping the hoodie and, um, yeah, had a few people come up and um, said, you know, a few of the episodes recently have uh, really got them inspired. Um, Charlie Bullis episode was one of those. Yeah, that was um, a cool one. the way she just kicked down doors to get where she wanted. Um, and I had one of the officials from Wanneroo Raceway send me a message 
And I'm just going to load it up so that I uh, get it right. A lovely young lady who was, um, um, felt like she was way out of her depth over the weekend. Well, not really out of her depth, but, you know, she was put into a position that she hasn't done much uh, with before. Um, but uh, where is it? How many messages do you get from yeah. lovely young lady, Shane? This must be better um, for the podcast that I'm not getting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the benefit, the benefit. Usually it's just big hairy dudes coming up and saying hello. Um, where are we? Oh my god! Now I've lost the completely. <laughs> lost the plot. It's not. It's not officials. It's not people. Can, at least it's the other way. It's nice officials. You know. Yeah. Um. This is really embarrassing because I actually sent. Oh, you know what? It'll be easier is if I just load it up because I actually forwarded it on to Jess just so she could have a bit of a uh, feel a good moment. Moment. And um, this this is a, this episode's almost turning into what happened with um, my, how, how Shane the, the IT expert can't find a document. The news. <laughs> <laughs> So the weekly news podcast that we do. Um, last week, I actually fell asleep in it um, mid mid recording of the episode, um, and I finally went back and listened to it. And um, there's me lightly snoring in it as poor old Sean McCabe's like continuing on trying to be the ever the professional that he is. <laughs> um, so yeah. Oh, we might release that as a bit of a um, like because I didn't release that episode, um, but I might might cut parts of it up and put it as you know this is what happens when you do too much at once. Um, but yeah, so anyway, the comment that was sent to me was the feedback about Jess Dane's episode from this particular young lady was, uh, I'm so glad she said she has no idea what she wants to do work wise, and the comment about saying things to her if she was a man, oh my god, got me right in the feels. So, you know, that was pretty cool. You know, they actually, um, people are obviously listening, paying attention to being what's said. And, um, you know, none of, none of our discussions are scripted with any of them. None of them know the questions before they come on, uh, unless they listen to the podcast beforehand and they sort of get a bit of a gist about uh, what we what we talk about. Um, but, yeah, it was pretty cool. But that was a two-hour chat. And um, speaking about... Officials. Yeah, great segue. Great segue. Only took six minutes, almost seven minutes to get to this part. What is with these seven-minute introductions? Yeah, seven-minute records. I know. Who cares about the algorithm? Let's just do our own thing. Yeah, screw the algos. Who, no, one listens, no one cares about the algos. Anyway, so um, what we do care about is officials in motorsport because uh, they are volunteers, and we thought after the massive weekend that we had with the supercars in town where – you, know, you get blowing in officials that are only turn up for that one one round a year, um, which we still say thank you to them. But uh, there's plenty of other motorsport around around the world and Australia that you could go officiate in between. Um, anyway, that's my rant. I need to stop. Uh, we have Mr. Nathan Green joining us. How are you, mate? Very good, thanks, guys. Pleasure to be on here. I'm just stoked you're still awake. <laughs> I'm really loving your seven-minute intros. They're fantastic. Please, please oh. let's do more seven-minute intros. 
I could just see the eyes glazing over on the camera. I'm just like watching you like, and sleepy, sleepy. We're going to do a shame and fall asleep and just hear this like little like. <laughs> oh, I've been told I store a lot, a lot louder. So I think you would have heard me. <laughs> Uh, how are you doing after the weekend? Uh, pulled up a little bit sore on Monday, not denying that. Um, you know, bit sore shoulders, bit sore back, but you know, normal stuff. Is that from carrying the team, or is that? <laughs> uh, I, I, I'd like to say I'm I was sorry. carrying the team. So I don't I, think I can I say that. I take that back. <laughs> not now. <laughs> uh, no, definitely from waving a few flags. <laughs> we, uh, of course, look the the um, amount of officials up there. You know, were uh, new, fresh, excited to be there. Um, you know, a lot of them that we saw at the end of the weekend looked a bit sore, but quite a few said they were going to come back. Hopefully for normal motorsport, but. Um, Tell me, how did you get involved with yeah with officiating? Like, did you try motorsport and go, no, nah, not for me. I want to get, I want to do something else. Or how did you, how did you get involved? Uh, like I think many people, as a kid, I you know grew up watching motorsport. Absolutely loved it. Um, and you know when I left school, went to uni, I was uh, studying at ECU. Uh, worked with the ECU race team, the student team there. Um, Came up to a few local state rounds, working with a few teams, um, and for me, decided that I was getting bored of just, um, you know, changing tyres, refueling cars, you know, adjusting tyre pressures and whatnot. And I wanted to get even closer to the action. Um, and I spoke to uh, the wonderful John Herney, um, and he said, uh, you know, the, the flaggies are always short of people; they always need flaggies come and learn how to flag, come and be an official, and I've never looked back. I, I, I absolutely love what I do. That John Ernie, I reckon he could spell, <laughs> sell motorsport to um, – trying to think of a good analogy here, <laughs> a polite analogy. Yeah, I'm just thinking of sand to the – no. no yeah, he, to the Eskimos, you know. Yeah, like, no, yeah, he's, he's – Sorry, he's you're a, not supposed to call, them, call people Eskimos, are you? Um <laughs> <laughs> Who's the bonehead this week? <laughs> Me. Um, you just fried after the VH, man. I'll tell you what, I pretty much am. Um, no. I think he'd, he'd be able to sell motorsport um, and getting involved with motorsport to an F1 team, something like that, you know? Like, Absolutely, yeah. <clears throat> the the his stories, the way he talks about it, it's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And you know he he definitely uh, he he had a bit of a starring role in the supercars over the weekend where he went through the history of Cavisham and um, he also actually provided um, a bit of a fair bit of background information to the digital team uh, about some stories of um, Alan Jones racing up there and having a garage and all sorts of stuff. So, um, but uh, yeah, so. Sorry, back to you. I do this a lot sometimes. <laughs> off on these tangents, it's probably going pretty bad this episode. But um, maybe that's what people like. We just like normal dudes that just ramble on and dribble <laughs> on like we've had thirteen cans or something. <laughs> yes, yes. We all know you got sent a carton of cans to your house. You're amazing because no one does that for me. <laughs> um, 
So, Diego, so you, you get out there. Um, how do you go about like getting? How did you go about getting started with you know, waving the flags? Obviously, they're not just gonna. Surely, they're not just gonna like go there. You go, go stand in that box. Here's a flag. Wave it. Do you know what? <laughs> <laughs> my 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 very first day flagging, I got stuck with with Tyler, uh, as you obviously know Tyler very well. Oh um, no! Yeah. And. He's got some good um, questions for you too, by the way. <laughs> I, I, I've never looked back. You know, despite Tyler's uh, ability to... Actually, do you know what? In that instance, I think it was better being stuck with Tyler and having his ability for, to just create chaos. Yeah. Um, <laughs> because being able to be in a flag point with him and then see, suddenly just see cars fall off the road and me have to jump into action, I was like, I'm hooked on this. I love this. <laughs> It's probably the only time his powers have been used for good. So just for the for people who don't know, and this will be, you know, obviously based on our listenership, um, this is probably going to be a fair few of you don't know uh, exactly who this Tyler is we're talking about. It's a young guy by the name of Tyler Morley. Uh, hangs out. Well, this one's a hangs out. He uh, works up at the track and he's uh, been an official and uh, he's working with the groundskeeper team these days and um, has a nickname Captain Chaos. And purely because if he turns around and says it's going to be a good day or, oh, it's quiet, um, anything positive, basically, uh, it all turns to shit very quickly soon after. Um, and I'm pretty <laughs> sure that he probably had a hand in that Scott Pye incident. Absolutely. Absolutely, he did. But he, he is... But he's one of the nicest blokes up there and, he do, and yep. he'll help anyone out. He, he will did it. Works his works his butt off, yeah. Um, and and of course the saying saying is around the track up there that it is Tyler's fault. Always, always and everywhere. And let's do about <laughs> handbrakes, then we can blame John. <laughs> yeah, we're not talking about that. <laughs> okay, so you basically get out there. So did 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 you have to do anything like online or um, beforehand, like? Uh, it's yeah, a so, process for an official to go out there, like someone like yourself, you know. Is... There, there's two ways about it. You can either uh, go through the Motorsport Australia portal or, or CAMS as it was back then um, and do the introductory theory module to start with uh, yeah. and get your, your general license that way and then uh, obviously spend some time uh, at, at circuits or, you know, rallies or, or whatever it is that your uh, chosen discipline is. Uh, and, and learn on the ground that way. Or you can literally just rock up, uh, complete an on-the-day license like I did, um, go out, enjoy the day, learn a few things, and if you if you enjoy the day and like it, then you, you complete the rest of your license by doing the theory module online after you've done your day. So uh, yeah, that's right. the way I did it. So, And if in all honesty, I would <clears throat> probably recommend that to most people is to come out, give it a go, whether it be whether it even be circuit racing and, you know, pit lane or flagging or recovery, wherever. Uh, and if you enjoy that, then go and complete your, your online module. The, um, that first day you were out in the pit, pit uh, the, the flag point and obviously with, with Tyler, um, was it basically a case of watch and learn to start with, or was it straight away hands on, hands on flags and, uh, look, for me, as someone who'd been watching motorsport for many, many years as a kid and stuff like that and growing up with it, I 
had a basic understanding of what all the flags meant. So I was more than happy to grab a flag and, and run with it. And Tyler was very good about letting me sort of um, go my own way with it as such. Um, you know, I, I remember clearly the first morning we were over at, at flag six uh, on the back of the circuit going into turn six, um, which was firstly an incredible experience. It was the first time I'd been over the hill and seen that end of the circuit on anything but TV. Uh, and just being able to, you know, I was looking into the turn. I remember having, I think it was a uh, a Jaguar in historic touring cars go in the sand during qualifying session and immediately just grabbing the yellow, get the yellow out there. And then, you know, the, the call eventually comes through to red flag the session to get the car out. And yeah, Tyler was more than happy to let me run with it. And it was he was great in teaching me and training me and stuff like that. So yeah, for me, it was very hands-on, um, but certainly, you know, other people might want to uh, sort of watch and learn and observe the basics first before they give it a go. But, uh, you know, when I try and teach people, I always try and teach them, you know, that there's no better way to do it than just to grab a flag and start waving. Fair enough. The, um, the, the Jaguar that went in, it wasn't Laurie Lapsu's one, was it? Uh, do you know what? It was six or seven years ago now. Oh, I remember Mike Gallagher, was... one of the two. <laughs> yeah, I, blue jag, I rem... <laughs> yeah, I remember it was a blue jag. So, <laughs> I, I uh, unfortunately, I think it was one of the two. I've, I've, <laughs> I've actually got my own little jinx on poor Laurie Lapsley, and um, and it happened at the supercars round, and so I had to step away from the track for a minute while they were out there. Um, because every time I'm standing in a corner, his car seems to gravitate towards me. Oh, that's a shame. And I don't, and I don't know what it is. <laughs> Probably like getting photos of his car and next minute it'll be in the sand right in front of me with a big dust cloud behind it. And yeah, He just wants the attention, mate. <laughs> he just wants you to take good photos of him. <laughs> oh, shit. Um so after you did your first day with Tyler and you survived, congratulations. Um, it's scary, but I got there. Yeah. <laughs> um, where did you go from there? Uh, yeah, basically from there, um, you know, spoke to, I guess, the rest of the flaggies there yeah, and some of the uh, longest stalwarts of the team. So people like Pete Morley, Danny Mullion, uh Aaron York, you know, the people that have been there forever, spoke to them about, um, I guess how often they do it and, and why they keep coming back. And, and again, I was pretty much hooked straight away. I, I loved it. It was something that just clicked with me straight away. Um, and just being able to be closer to the, to, to anything, you know, closer to the racing than, any, than anywhere else. That's not actually, you know, in the driver's seat. It was fantastic. And, you know, I, I remember having dinner with them that night and, hearing some of their stories, hearing the, the funny moments, the scary moments, the jokes, and it's just a, an immediate family atmosphere, and I loved it. What's been one of your uh, funniest moments you had to deal with? Uh, There's probably a few. Uh, I think one that stands out for me was uh, Northern a few years ago. I... Yeah, Northern and Albany a few years ago. The the Round the Houses events run by the Vintage Stampede. 
uh, the, the vintage car club guys, they, they were fantastic. Um, at Northern, I had a spectator run across the track, uh, which was, which was scary to start with. Uh, and I remember calling it through to race control that, you know, yeah, there's somebody running across the track and I got asked to, you know, confirm whether they were in a safe or dangerous position. And based on that, would they need to stop the session to, to, you know, work out where that guy was. Uh, and I believe I called it dangerous. He was clearing the track. Uh, which was not ideal because then I've got Danny coming back to me, asking me to clarify where he was, uh, which in a uh, situation like that was not ideal. Uh, and a similar one being uh, at Albany, uh, again, I've got lots of great run-ins with spectators running across the track, I think. Uh, where I was flagging at one of the turns, there's a hostel right next to it. And I believe there was a couple of people staying in the hostel that didn't get the memo that there was a race happening that day. And so there they are mid-morning stepping out of their hostel door right onto the racetrack. And I'm trying to uh, entice them to go back inside or, or come to a safe spot. I, it, is probably the funnier moments for me, I suppose. Uh, but at the same time, I, it, it's, I don't know. I don't think I have any funny moments, but they're all very enjoyable moments for me. Um, and I think... Singapore in 2015, were you? Had a flag, no, flag marshalling? Okay. No, 2015, I was still at school. I didn't start flagging until 2016, so... Okay, so 2015, the guy running around the F1 track in Singapore wasn't your fault then? Uh, no, not quite. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I certainly did remember that and then sort of think, oh, that might be a good thing to do. Yeah. It, must be that, it must be that time of year because I've seen a couple of random videos come up of just funny stuff on racetracks that like random cars, like that one in Portugal, the random car just on the track and then the um, another one of the... Um, uh, not a streaker, just a random cyclist managing to get onto a racetrack when it looks like there's Clio Cup or something like that at one of the UK circuits. It's like people are just so dumb sometimes. Yeah, yeah, that, that can be. And it, it's, it's, you know, I, I think last weekend with Supercars showed it where uh, there were a couple of points where you see some spectators trying to push the boundaries of where they could and couldn't spectate from and uh, security had to have a few words with them. But... Mm -hmm. uh, you know, happens, I suppose. We all want the best view possible. That's why I come and always suggest you come and uh, officiate. You get a better view. Yeah, and dinner afterwards. Yes, and good stories. Yeah, yeah. Um, so worst moment out on track? What did, what's your worst thing you've had to do with so far? Um, worst moment, possibly scariest moment, but something I learned a lot from. Uh, would have been back in 2016 when we had the historic F5000s come out in would have been a September, October truck meeting, uh, the same weekend as the, the Trevor Roy Young Memorial for HTC. Mm -hmm. uh, I got put on flag point five. It was probably my third or fourth meeting that I was flagging. Uh, and I got handed the comms and said, here you go. You're on the comms today on the radio. Uh, and they said, you know, it's a radio check in the morning and a radio check after lunch. Nothing much ever happens at five. You'll be right. And then in the afternoon, I had a, 
uh, a, a Formula 5000 catch fire next to me. Okay. Which was um, scary to start with. But, uh, you know, I learned, I learned a hell of a lot about that. And, and, you know, I was freaking out a little bit on the radio. But afterwards, you know, you kind of learn that this is the sort of stuff that happens and you've got to be prepared to deal with it. So, uh, as a flag, you know, you got something like that happening next to you. Do you guys have fire extinguishers in your, in your booths, in your little, yeah. uh, booths yes. just in case? So every flag post at Wanneroo has a, a powder and a foam extinguisher. Okay. But, uh, generally we, uh, because Wanneroo is a lot different to a lot of other circuits around Australia and probably around the world where, uh, at Wanneroo, because of the shape of the flag points being those kind of concrete drums, we're really locked into just flagging. And yeah. we do have a very specialised fire and recovery team who um, will attend to those incidents fairly quickly. Um, and so as opposed to, uh, you know, having a flag point where you'll have, say, eight people on that post yeah. and two of them will be fireys, two of them will be track marshals, two of them will be flaggies and you know, one will be comms or something like that, like you might see at Savvy's running Grand Prix, uh, at Wanneroo, there's, you know, there's normally two people on the flag point. And if you have an incident like that, you know, the fireys will get there in their ute pretty quickly. So, um, but, you know, fire extinguishers definitely on the post, ready for use if necessary. Okay. That was, um, a, that was a cool meeting, that one, though. That was, the, that was massive, wasn't it? Oh, it's fantastic. Again, it was one of those things that that really reminded me of why I do it. Um, you know, and I think, you know, it, it was, I wouldn't say it was the worst one for me, but it was pretty, it was pretty scary. Uh, and then, but knowing that at the end of the day, after, after everything, you know, having people like Danny, like Pete come up to me after the event and go, are you okay? You know, this is the stuff that happens. How are you feeling? Like really reminded me that there's always support in that sort of in that sort of instance. The um, in terms of what you can do as an official, um, it's not just all about waving flags. What else can you do, and what else have you done? Uh, I predominantly, certainly, at race meetings, uh, I'm a flaggy, um, but obviously there are many disciplines to officiating. So. Uh, you know, across the board, uh, flagging is probably the biggest sort of opportunity. Uh, pit lane and grid, uh, fire, rescue, recovery, uh, medical team, race control upstairs. Uh, you know, that that's that's the main ones that we have, uh, certainly a Wanneroo. Um, and I've done, I've done pretty much everything. So normally at race meetings, it's uh, it, it's it's flagging, but it, you know when I've done speed events at Bonnaroo or uh, some other circuits, it's been pit lane or grid. Uh, when we do our tuning days, you know tuning days are normally everything, a mix of everything. So you know fire and recovery one minute when we go and help a, a car out of the sand, and then back into the pit lane to sort out <clears throat> you know cars to go out, you know as a, as a pit lane or grid official. Um, as I said in the intro, like you guys generally um, have a really good turnout of officials for supercars. Uh, um, always good. But 
normal race meets always fairly I always see like the late, late, late last minute, like we need more officials. Yeah, so coming out. So, what do you, what do you think it is that? I mean, obviously people and and it's like motorsport in general. You know, they always go for the big, a lot of people just go for the big show. But oh. what what is it about officials that doesn't get them out if they if they you know as passionate as they say they are? You think they'd be there all year round, wouldn't you? You'd hope so, yeah. I think probably the two biggest things are the fact that, number one, it's a volunteer role. Yep. Um, I think that a lot of people aren't willing to give up their weekend, their time off, their days off to go and do something that's a job and not get paid for it. Um, for me, as I said, I, I've always loved uh, motorsport and I love that, A, it gets me closer and, B, I'm kind of giving back to the sport. So I, I think that's probably number one. Um, but secondly, the weather can play an impact on a lot of people. Um, you know, uh, last year we had three, I think it was three race meetings cancelled um, through through force majeure. One was for uh, absolutely horrific wet weather uh, that got cancelled after about two or three hours. You know, we had another race meeting where there was lightning, we got pulled in, the power went out, the, the day didn't restart. Um, so, yeah, you get days that are going to be fantastic weather like it was for Supercars over the weekend, and then you get days like we did last year where it rained all day, it was four degrees, you know, hailing on your face, or days when it's 43 degrees, sunny, and you feel like you're melting all day. So they're probably the two biggest reasons why people don't turn out. Um, but, you know, for the most part, we have a fairly dedicated... Uh, team of, of officials, certainly as flaggies, uh, but not under that, uh, you know, across the board at Wanneroo. Um, but we're always on the hunt for, for more people to join us. So, um, you know, I think about uh, October last year when I did my silver license upgrade. Uh, that was a unique experience for me and a bit of a challenge um, and was really good for my, for my license upgrade in the sense that... Uh, I started my flag point allocations for the day as chief, having enough people to put on flag points and, and stuff like that, and then getting to the day and having had people drop out, people change roles within, uh, you know, change officiating roles within the day and having to consistently and pretty much almost constantly keep updating the whiteboard of allocations uh, to the point that we ran with pretty slim numbers but still managed to get the job done, which was the important thing. What's the minimum age that you can have someone uh, in in one of those boxes? Uh, so as far as I understand, 12 is the minimum age to become an official through Motorsport Australia, but you, you know have what? to be 16 to be trackside. Okay, 16. Right. So for all those young racers that want to go racing, they should become part of their license. They have to do some officiating. They do, actually, yeah. So as part of their piece test to get off their piece uh, through their uh, um, racing. So, so when you get your race license, uh, you obviously have to do a certain number of events and be signed off by the clerk, of course. The, the clerk, of course, is satisfied with your uh, driving ability, shall we say. <laughs> uh, and then you also have to complete a day's officiating, which is generally flagging. 
um, to, to be able to get off your pace. So um, it's always really, really good having drivers come and officiate with us for the day. Um, and I certainly think it helps them uh, learn probably what we do as, as officials. Um, mm. You know, I, I think sometimes the funny thing is, you know, asking asking a driver, oh, you know, what is the what does the white flag mean? And they will go, oh, I don't know, or you know, what does the blue flag mean? Uh, I don't know, and and you sort of go, oh, hang on, you've been racing for six months now, shouldn't you know this? But well, uh, hey, look, there's a whole category of people that have been racing for many, 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 many years that don't know what yellow flags are, or, or what the safety card board is. Or yes. the checkered flag is. Yeah, oh, let's no, not go no, there. No, let's no, not no, go no. there. Let's not go there. I'm not going any further. I'm just saying <laughs> they're like maybe you can go a bit lighter on the dudes that have been doing it for six months. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> but yeah, no, it, it's really good for us to sort of be able to, um, I suppose, kind of teach these guys as they come through and do their, uh, you know, uh, provisional uh, license test with us and, and their day of officiating so that they come and learn what we do. Uh, and most importantly too, I, I think a lot of things that the drivers say to me and say to other flaggies is that, oh, I never knew this flag point was here or, you know, I, I've seen this flag point before but not really paid that much attention to it. But now that I'm here trackside with you guys, I understand why it's so important and I'm going to pay more attention to this particular flag point or this particular area when I'm driving because I understand how important it is. You mentioned before the um, the silver level. What what do the levels do within officiating? Uh, so basically, the levels allow you to operate uh, uh, as chiefs or deputy chiefs, etc. Um, at certain events. So everybody starts out as a as a training official your first day, uh, and once you complete your your on the day form or your, your first day and you do your, your theory module, then you become a, a general official. Um, and a general official can do anything, basically. Um, but a general official technically has to be supervised by somebody who is a bronze. Uh, right. So, uh, yeah, to, to be a, you know, I speak about it from flex because that's what I've predominantly done. But, uh, you know, to go from a general to a bronze in flags you have to run the post for a day. So you have to be proficient on your radio communication. You have to be able to write in reports correctly. You have to, you know, be able to demonstrate that you can wave flags appropriately and that sort of stuff to be uh, assessed as a, as a bronze, uh, <clears throat> as, as a bronze official. And a bronze official means that um, you can act as the, the team leader for your post and you can take trainees with you. Um, but it also means that you can act as a chief at state level events. Uh, having done my silver, my silver means that, uh, to, to do my silver upgrade, I have to do the silver theory module. Um, uh, and then I have to do a assessment on the day at a race meeting where I was chief. So I was chief flags that day. Um, and as I say, it, it was a unique challenging day where we were, uh, a bit short on officials, but we, we made it work. Um, and 
yeah, basically by being chief, being able to problem solve, you know, if I'm going to be short here or if I have to go and uh, assist somebody here or something like that, that's, that's the role as the chief. Um, and having that silver now means that I can be a chief at a national level event. And then obviously the level above that is then gold, um, <clears throat> which as far as I understand, uh, the process to gold has changed the last couple of years. You can no longer apply to do the gold theory module and be assessed to be gold. Uh, gold has to be given to you. So um, the only person mm -hmm. I know who's gold, oh, sorry, the only two people I know who have got gold are Danny and John Herney. So, you know, the, the two, two of the, the most experienced people and two of the people I've learned a lot from are obviously being rewarded with a gold license for the 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 ways they've contributed, I suppose. Danny's an absolute machine, like heading over east all the time and Absolutely. Every event, I think, um, yeah, and she was awarded a service medal for the supercars on the weekend as well, I believe. Yes, so, yeah, yeah. Um, which was fantastic to see. Very well deserved. Um, and and I got to I got to throw another thank you in for uh, to her for actually organising to allow us up in the um, in race control at a supercars event mm. while a supercars round was actually occurring on track. Um, it was only a practice, but it's still um, not really her her domain once the uh, supercars guys move in. So, mm. um, and most for, importantly, for not calling you either. Yes, and for not calling me either, which um, I think, yeah, that's that's something else. Um, <laughs> that's another volunteer role at the track, isn't it? Uh, not not to get called by Danny. So um, yeah, yeah. So uh, uh, obviously, uh, and this is something you learn about the higher up you go. I didn't learn about this until I did my silver upgrade. But uh, critical incidents are a scary thing. Um, yes, and if we do have to go critical incident there is a procedure for it and obviously you were requested as the uh official photographer if we had any critical incidents over the weekend which is why you're very thankful you weren't called by danny and yep, i think we all are message every day saying thank you for not calling me <laughs> yeah. and i never put please don't call me tomorrow in there because i just didn't <laughs> want to jinx it we just left yeah. it every day thank you for not calling me i would be exactly the same i'm sure but uh, it's important to note I think, and possibly this is what scares some people, but uh, when you think about it logically, you know, if we have to go critical because of a large incident, you know, you think Chaz Mostert's uh, crash at Bathurst in 2014 or, you know, Carl Reinler's fireball back in 2011 that I didn't actually think went critical. I'm not sure if it did. Um, but those sorts of incidents, there's a procedure, a plan yeah. for if something bad does happen, we can find a solution and make it work in a way that's uh, logical and safe and efficient. Yeah. And I, of course, in, in that position that I had on the weekend at supercars, um, I was actually able to see that uh, incident plan um, obviously from what you, exactly the same as what you guys see. So I knew exactly what would be going on with what you guys were doing, um, the movements around there, what my role was, um, and yeah, you know, I even had a checklist in that in that uh, uh, incident um, 
package it basically about this is what you must take the photos of. Um, and there was a lot of stuff. There's also a lot of stuff which was left up to my own discretion around, yeah. you know, basically like I had to, you know, for instance, if it, you know, it was a rollover, you know, we won't go into full detail exactly, you know, what was there, but, you know, it's in, in case of a rollover and they went critical, well, I'd have to be trying to pick, you know, get photos of parts of the cars that, you know, I think could have contributed or, um, you know, to the outcome. So, you know, that, that's, that was actually pretty huge after I read it. You know, initially I thought it was, oh, you know, if there's a crash, I'll go and take, you know, get some, make sure I've got some photos of the aftermath and, you know, the officials working to clean it up. And then when I actually got the, the package, um, the night, uh, the Thursday night, I think it was. Yeah, it was Thursday night we got the email. Yeah, Thursday night the email came out and that was just because um, uh, Supercars hadn't actually given out anyone's accreditation. Um, so we didn't actually know my my accreditation number. Um, but to actually then read it and I actually went, holy shit, like this is... Yeah. But as I say, yeah. I think that's probably one of the best things about Motorsport Australia is that we're always prepared for if something does go wrong. You know, it, yeah. it's kind of... Uh, you know, that, that old army saying of kind of prepare for the worst, hope for the best. Yeah. You know, we always love to see the best outcome. We always love to see great racing, but we recognize that motorsport is inherently dangerous and sometimes bad things do happen. Yeah. But we need to be prepared for when they do happen and we have a plan or a procedure in place to rectify those incidents. Yeah, correct. Um I've sort of gone off a bit on track of where where my next question was headed, but that's <laughs> it's pretty normal. That's pretty usual. <laughs> um, we went through the age. The age is you know like twelve, but not track side. Sixteen track side. Yeah. Um, so at Wanneroo, I believe there is an official who is between the ages of twelve and sixteen uh, who does come up. Yeah. Uh, you know, I believe it. I think it's a father and daughter. So I think the father is normally uh, in the start blocks or with pit lane, and the daughter is normally uh, either in the race office, you know, as a you know assistant in the race office, or is upstairs on CCTV, you know, looking yeah. after the CCTV cameras. So um, certainly, whilst you can't be trackside, you can still play a integral role in you know getting motorsport events uh, run. So. And I, and I think like, the point that I was trying to make a bit earlier was that when you've got um, a kid that says that they want to go racing, um, you know, and that, like, a good way for the parents to actually see if they really do want to go racing would actually to get them to become an official for a year. Absolutely, um, yeah. Because they have to be up earlier or at least at you know, the same time or earlier than the, the, the drivers and they're there after the drivers are left. So, oh. um you know, they might suddenly turn around and go, oh, I'm not interested in these long days. Well, that's what motorsport is. Motorsport's long days, regardless yeah, of what you're doing. Um, unless you're like me and just want in at midday and leave at 2 p.m. But um, Occasionally, you know. Yeah, occasionally. No, I've never done that. Um, <laughs> but, you know, that, but that's the thing, you know, there, there is no, nothing in motorsport is a short day, especially around circuit no. racing. No, I, I think for me, uh, you know, over the weekend, for example, um, Saturday was a 8am sign-on, I think it was. So I was at the track from 7, 7.30 in the morning to help set up first thing in the morning. 
you know, organize our radios, get the radios organized, set up, uh, have our radio bags and folders for each post ready to go, and then sign on at 8 o'clock, whatever it was, you know, briefing at 9, in position, ready for the day at 9.30 or whatever it was, uh, and then not actually finishing or, you know, the, the, the supercars race didn't finish till, uh, what was it, half past seven, almost eight o'clock, yeah. which meant that we didn't get off post. You know, I, I think it was about quarter to eight that the race, the checker flag came out, which I think meant that it was about eight o'clock, maybe eight, bit after eight, that we were, uh, you know, off post, back in the paddock, back in the shed, um, which meant that it was probably about eight thirty, nine o'clock by the time I left the circuit. Um, so then be up at, uh, you know, to, to, to get home at sort of say nine thirty, be up at four thirty, five o'clock the next morning, to be back at the track for six, you know, for sign on at six thirty. So, to, yeah. to you know, to then, uh, you know, be on be in position at eight o'clock for racing at eight thirty to then finish it, or was it four thirty, five o'clock, uh, and then obviously Sunday after party was you know a lot of fun. Uh, <laughs> But, you know, my point is that, you know, it was, uh, you know, at the track on Saturday from 7 a.m. till, you know, 8.30, 9 o'clock. There's, there's 14 hours just there, yep. you know, and that, that's a pretty normal day for, for most of us. So, And, yeah, and that's why I think, yeah, you get a lot to help, <laughs> help parents to find out if their kids are really interested in motorsport. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Do some officiating. You know, my old man came up to spectate over the weekend and, you know, he sends me a message as he strolls into the circuit at, at sort of, I think it was 10, 30, 11 o'clock on Saturday. And, and, you know, I'm thinking, gee, I've already been here for like four or five hours already. Like, what's taking you so long? <laughs> um, what What's your sort of goals in terms of motorsport officiating like? Have you got a like? Do you want to become the next Danny Main and? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the shit yeah. Out of officiating in motorsport, or a hundred percent, yeah. So uh, wants to be a steward for sure. Oh, uh, yeah, stewarding maybe. I don't know. I don't like dishing out penalties. Uh, I, I don't. Man. I don't like seeing the the uh, the face on the drivers when we hand out something like uh, what was it over the weekend? Something like sixty penalties in Super Two or something like that. Um, Good man. Yeah, that, that's not for me. Matt, Matt can stick to that. Uh, no, I, I prefer to go up sort of uh, race control path and, and look at Clark of course, stuff like that. Um, one of the things that Motorsport Australia does very well is what's called the Young Official Program, um, which is for people between the ages of 12 and 25. So I oh, still shit, fall that in that me. bracket. Yeah, I, I still <laughs> fall in that bracket for another couple of months. Um, but being... Uh, a young official, um, you know, that they really, they used to, uh, I haven't seen as much recently because of COVID and stuff like that, but they really used to promote the young official programs, particularly over East as a way of getting people involved in the sport. Um, Cause that's, that's where, you know, the next generation of, of officials are going to come from. They're going to be young officials and stuff like that. So for me, ideally, um, you know, I'm, regularly being a chief flag marshal. I've got myself a license. Um, for me, the next step is to um, learn uh, the communicator role in race control. Um, and then hopefully, 
learn, you know, deputy clerk of course, clerk of course role, um, and hopefully, you know, learn from people like Danny, uh, from Todd, from Taylor, from John, you know, all of these people that are, are great and wonderful at what they do, how I can be in that role. Uh, and hopefully, you know, when Danny, you know, in, in five years' time, when Danny is the next James Taylor looking after supercars, I can be the next Danny looking after, um, you know, uh, Clark, of course, uh, here in Perth. Cool. I'm going to hand you over to Brent. Woohoo! Um, to, to have a little chat um, and ask you the questions from, from, our, from our fans. Awesome. Um, <laughs> so and apparently yeah you got some from tyler which would be interesting um, but um I, i've always i i have to say i actually have my um officials license she come and join us more often i would love not, to but, but the problem I, is, I know that you're doing work for the club at race but... meets at race meets i cannot like there's no way i can do race meets come journey days the, the journey days the tuning days on the Saturdays, which are run by WFMA, are amazing, and I think you'd love it. When's the next one? Twenty-first. Saturday, twenty-first of May. That's a Saturday, good point. First of May. Let, let me let me while we're in this, and, and you guys can all hold me to this. All right. So this this is what I always say to, to new people too: is that is that a race meet might seem a bit daunting or a race meet you might be stuck doing one role. But if you come to a tuning day, particularly a tuning day that's uh, Saturday tuning days, which are typically um, run by... Yeah, particularly the Saturdays which are run by WFMA, the Wannery Flag Marshal Association, which I'm part of. um, It's a very social, cruisy, laid-back day. Um, you, You do... Everything from being in the start box, you know, waving green flags, checker flags, red flags, whatever it is, to being in pit lane, directing cars here, then everywhere. But also because you're in pit lane, being able to have a chat with the drivers, become good mates with the drivers. So then, um, you know, being the recovery guy who goes and pulls that driver out of the sand trap and so, you know, and telling them that, you know, it's a slab every time you have to pull them out. So, no, that's probably a hint that I've got no, to send someone to the Yeah, I have, yeah. I have a couple there. Yeah, yeah so, uh, you know, and tuning days are, are fantastic. So, tuning days are really right. great. They're a laid back atmosphere. 20, 21st of May is the next one, yeah? Yeah, yeah. 21st of May is the next Saturday tuning day. And then yeah. it's a Sunday, uh, no, Friday 27th as well. You know, we don't talk about that one because that's race weekend. So 20, 21st. 21st. Uh, 21st the event's from 9 a.m. to 4 p.m., but we all normally get there about 8 o'clock to set up. So, All right. Here's Is it the point-to-point, that one as well? Is it the point-to-point on the 21st? Uh, I think it's the 22nd, actually. Oh, yeah. Here's the deal. Here's the deal I'm going to do right now, and you can all hold me to this. And if you want to want to pull out your phone and record me as I say this, you right. bet I will, yep. Yep. 21st of May, next test and tune day, I'll come down and be an official. Awesome. I love that. Yep. All right. I might bring a couple of cameras with me. Absolutely, not, yeah. Not necessarily for me to run because I'll be busy, <laughs> but I might might bring a couple of the fellas down and 
day in the life of Shane the official. You can uh, everyone can pull the piss out of the out of me uh, waving a flag, which is actually a question I've got to ask before before I hand you over to Brent. And this isn't a me being a dick question, but is there a specific way to wave the flag? Oh, okay, all right. So, good question. Uh, so one of mine. In the Motorsport <laughs> Australia Officials Handbook, yeah. the definition of waving a flag is in a figure eight pattern. Okay. However, however, there is no official, you know, way that you have to do it. Okay. Uh, and for so a lot of people, like a little it's bit of just movement. by feel. Ideally, a lot of movement. <laughs> uh, ideally, a lot of movement, yeah. yeah um, okay. You know, uh, uh, I think for me, because I watch a lot of American racing, um, I really love watching IndyCar. I love watching IMSA, that sort of stuff. I love seeing, you know, the green flag waved in that uniquely American way that they do, uh, or, you know, the oh, white yeah, flag being like waved a... in that uniquely American way that I haven't quite mastered myself, but I'm learning how to do it. That I can, you know, bring my own flair to the to the circuit. Awesome, cool. All right, I'm going to hand you over to Brent. I'm actually going to go find my officials thing right now. And uh, now that well, I've you get the app on your phone, this should be there if you've done it. Oh, do you, yeah, as grab as that one. See if I've got the app. Oh, you're the oh. data guy. You should yeah. have the app. Everyone's going to have the app. Really? Now you sound like Mark McGowan. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, on that note, have a great chat, guys. <laughs> Segway. All right. No, cool. Um, good to talk to you, man. Um, and, and I'll go pretty easy on. I was going to ask that, that first question: how do you how do you wave a flag? Because uh, I've seen it done some very different ways. But uh, yeah, we used to be quite lucky. Yeah, was it? Um, was it Frank? He used to be the real legend. Flaggy back in the day. Yeah, uh, yeah. He used to do a little course or... on how to do it. Yeah, I remember doing one yeah. with him years ago. Yeah. We used to go up to the top above the um, above the the comms office and uh, wave him off the top balcony there to practice. Yeah, yeah. He's... Frank was awesome like that. I, I got to spend a bit of time with Frank. That was he was great. And uh, unfortunately, he's no longer with us. But uh, yeah, yeah. Learn, learn a lot of Frank. Learned a lot, learned a lot off off people like Danny and Pete and Tyler and Aaron and the rest of them. So, nah, that's that's cool. Yeah, Frank was awesome. I'm kind of lucky. I got a bit of an inside scoop on on officialing. I've got uh, man, what endorsements have I got? Uh, Silver Scroot and Course Presenter and Flagging and a few, a couple there. But um, yeah, I don't I don't official too much because I'm too. Bit, I don't want to drive as much as I can. So, leads me mm. to sort of first question: Did you do carts or anything like that, or before you decided you wanted to just become like the hell badass official, or what was what was uh, the? No, way in? I've I've always joked that I've never had the money or the talent to drive a race car. So, oh, you um, don't need talent. <laughs> well, in that case, I definitely haven't got the money for it. So, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, unfortunately, no. Um, you know, in saying that, though, I'd love to, to have a steer of a race car. And I love that, uh, you know, the Formula V guys and sometimes the HQ guys and stuff like that um, give back at the end of the year and let us jump in and drive some of their cars. Um, I'm always nervous about jumping in a HQ because I know how well those are and, and I know how difficult they are to find replacement parts. I'm too scared of putting it in the fence that I won't ever go near them. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I no, unfortunately, I'd never – race as a kid never did carts as a kid besides the the higher carts and stuff like that but um i'd never knock it back to give it a go because that'd be awesome cool 
cool. Or even, you know, get your road car out and do a point-to-point or a motor car or something like that. The, yeah, exactly, something like that. There. Yeah, or – and, um, yeah, I wish – it was kind of easier with drifting because we used to always take the officials out for passenger rides – uh, yeah. A little bit more set up that way, that sport, right? But be cool if on tuning days, I know the the way our uh, permit is that we use for tuning days doesn't sort of allow it, but if we could do more, you know, take a couple of officials out, especially like I'm quite lucky, a couple of my cars are set up for passengers, so, um, you know, it'd be kind of handy. Yeah. It would be good I, to I, do. It's one of those things. I've done lots of laps of Wanneroo, like lots and lots of laps of Wanneroo, um, but very few of them have been in the passenger seat or the driver's seat of a, of a proper race car. They've mostly been in the, in the driver's seat or the passenger seat of a recovery vehicle or the, the flagging hmm. bus. Well, what about you should get into the, um, the safety car. That's not a bad car. It goes right there. Bus good, good brakes on it. Uh, yeah, the safety car goes well until it breaks down. Yeah. That's well, the age of skin too, but it does go good. That's a good option to get into. Yeah. Um, I'd love to drive the safety car or, you know, if, you know, it's one of those things I, I'm very, happy flagging and stuff like that but at the same time i'm very open to learning uh each and every other discipline of, of motorsport or you know officiating because i think it's important that you can assist in every way possible uh, absolutely you should get the course presenter one on your um on your list because then it just makes it easy to help train up more people i reckon that's a yeah absolutely that's one of my next ones i'm working towards cool yeah i mean i think i did did I do a course presenter here in WA? I'm thinking, I think I did it in Darwin because we, we were always short of officials up there, and that's mm. that's when I did most of my stuff. Um, but no, that's that's cool. What do you and and obviously officialing is not for everyone, right? And most drivers, we all thank the officials at, at come speech time, and and we all appreciate the officials, but I don't think we really, um, you know, we we are okay to give up all that time because we're invested in being behind the wheel and doing that thing. I don't think we really appreciate how much family time and work time and all the rest of it, the officials give up to be there. Kind of yeah. a bit of a thankless task. What What do you think would get – and we're always short of officials. There's no no doubting. More's always better. Um, what do you think would get more officials out there? Is it shorter days? Is it longer days? Is it paying them? Um, I, don't, I don't know if pay is the, the right yeah, way to I, go I about things. I would never go down the payment route. Um, being an official has always been a volunteer role. And the moment you start paying officials uh, is the moment you start. Um, I, th- I think is the moment that things become very difficult. Uh, I'd, we have a very, very good group of officials at Wanneroo. Um, yeah. Do we still but, have the voucher system going? Yeah, yeah. So we still get yeah. gift cards, which are, which are yeah. you know, wonderful cool. from the club for you know giving up our time. So they always go on on fuel or or next week's grocery shop or something like that which is always great. Um, but, yeah, I think the biggest thing about being an official is it's such a family atmosphere. Uh, you know, I know that a lot of drivers talk about how having your family, your friends as your pit crew, watching your race is a real family friend affair. Um, but my, my, my flaggy family uh, is, is my second family, really, you know, more, more so than my work family as such. Um, I love I love being with those guys. It's great fun being with those guys, um, and it's great, you know, getting to uh, come off the track at the end of the day and have a couple of drinks, have a chat about the day. So, um, I, I, I prefer it stays volunteer. Um, you know, whether longer days or shorter days is the answer. You know, I, I know that 
uh, this year we're doing, uh, what is it, six or seven two-day events rather than, you know, the, the 10 one-day events we had last year, um, which which should be shorter days. Um, but, yeah, it, it's it's difficult, I suppose. And, and you're right, it is, can, you know, it can be a thankless task. Um but it's always nice to get that acknowledgement from the drivers. And I always find the drivers here at Wanneroo are really, really great people. Um, and, you know, I always find being at tuning days, you get to connect with the drivers better. Um, and so, you know, you always then send them on race days. And even if they've had a bit of a crap weekend, they'll still come over and see you while you're having a drink, while you're having dinner and go, hey, thanks for being out there today. I know the weather was a bit average, but, you know, I appreciate you being out there for us so that we can go racing because, uh, you know, the odd old saying is that you can't go racing without your officials. Yeah, that's that's cool. And it's cool to know that uh, a lot of our WA guys do uh, do give that acknowledgement. And, uh, yeah, they're yeah, always it's... fantastic. And, and, and it, it goes both ways, you know. I, one of the best things about flagging, and it's one of the first things I learned, is that after every session is that, you know, we as flaggies were always sort of stick our hands out, give you guys a wave, give you guys a thumbs up and a clap to say, hey, thanks for putting on a show. You know, yeah, thanks for giving our son to do. And the drivers will always give us a wave back and say, hey, thanks for being out there. You know what? That's uh, I was going to bring that up. But it's a wicked cigarette. I think that's an almost fairly unique WA thing. I haven't seen it. And maybe uh, I was younger or, or just didn't take it in when I've raced at other tracks. Um, but it's a pretty uniquely WA thing, and it's a buzz. I enjoy it. I think it's rad. Oh, it's fantastic. Um, and, and, you know, even on the weekend, Sunday afternoon, you know, Sunday afternoon after the final Supercars race, being able to uh, sort of, you know, take a step out of my post onto the concrete wall next to the track and give the, the Supercars guys a round of applause as they came by to say, hey, thanks for coming over. Thanks for putting on a really good spectacle. You know, love what you guys do. Please come back. It To me, it's... It, it's it's great, so wouldn't change it. Ah, that's that's cool. Yeah, that's yeah. I was, it's a good one you brought that up. Um, yeah, we just got to figure out a way to, and it's the same for drivers. We've got to figure out how to get more people out out on the track. And yeah. I think starting with tuning days might be a bit better because they are a bit more, let's uh, say, casual. Um, tuning days are great. Do... They're so relaxed, so enjoyable, so much fun. You know, everything's kind of cruisy and. It just happens when it happens. There is no strict schedule like it was for, say, supercars, where everything's minute by minute to the to the, to the TV. Yeah, and you don't have the um, the competition aspect of it, or the the points, and the having to note everything down and be worried about anything. As long as everyone's being safe uh, and the track's flowing, it's it's a good day, right? Absolutely, so, yeah. Yeah, that's that's cool. Um, obviously, with with officially, you get to deal with a lot of random people. We're kind of lucky here. Um, that we've got some really good crew. And, and like you said, our drivers like to acknowledge everyone. And, um, you know, my fridge in the shed's always open. I think Tyler's really the only official that takes advantage of that. After hours, I would stop feeding Tyler. It's bad when you feed Tyler. <laughs> you, you remember the old saying, don't feed the ducks? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Don't, don't feed Tyler. Well, the gremlins after the, after midnight. Nah, Tyler's yeah. good. He, he does so much stuff. But, he does. Um, He's great. So you're dealing with a lot of different people. Obviously, that can bring uh, – conflicts and and stuff like that because everyone's different if we're all the same it'd be bloody yeah, boring right absolutely um, so how, how do you go about managing that sort of stuff 
Uh, Obviously, you've been in more of a lead sort of role, or you're building into that space. So yeah, you know, yeah, so it's a feather I, in your cap. I think the thing for me, and and the more I learn about it, and and uh, certainly the more I do sort of the chief role and learn about it, so the stuff is is certainly about managing conflict. Uh, I never like to see conflict because one, I hate seeing people upset, and two, it's just a pain to deal with. Um, yeah. But it, it's kind of a when I see conflict, you know, between two different people, you kind of got to understand both sides of the story. You know, one person's upset because they want this to happen. The other person's upset because this is happening and they want something else to happen. Um, and you've got to look at it from both sides. And at the end of the day, it's kind of a, can we resolve this enough that we're going to have both people stay with us to be able to make sure we can go racing? Uh, can we resolve this conflict in a way that's going to be beneficial for everybody? Um, you know, I think for me, when I, when I look at say my flag post allocations for, you know, when I'm chief is that, uh, you know, the people who, uh, you know, I trust everyone and, and I like everyone's company, but, you know, say for example, the people who I know are going to be very experienced, probably get some of the hot zones a little bit more, but at the same time it's about being open to everybody and giving everybody the opportunity to prove themselves and everybody the opportunity to have a go at every position around the track, you know? Um, for me, post one is probably my favorite spot on the track because you're at the end of pit lane. You've got to look after pit lane and the circuit and turn one and there's always stuff going on. So for me, it's always busy and I love being busy, but at the same time, you know, I love like post eight. I was at post eight on, on Sunday for the supercars and it was fantastic because you get to just watch the cars come past you and pull gears, and it's incredible. Or, uh, you know, post 11 for the supercars race started at the entry to pit lane. You know, you don't hear the 25 supercars on the start line. You feel them. So, yeah, uh, awesome. you know, conflict resolution is a massive, massive part, and you've just got to deal with it as best you can. You know, as I say, try and understand both sides of the coin. Uh, and work towards a solution that, that benefits everybody, I suppose. Cool. Yeah, communication is the big thing. Absolutely, and I suppose yeah. On, on the same sort of, of route, if you could change one thing about officialing, be it specifically flagging that you got all the experience in or, or just officialing in general under MA, what what would you change? Or it could be something about one or, you know, don't, don't hold back. <laughs> but, yeah, if you, if you could change one thing that you think would improve things, what would you do? Uh, specifically at Wanneroo, I'd love to see uh, alley tracks or some sort of lighting system implemented. Um, I've seen it at uh, circuits like Sydney Motorsport Park, uh, and it looks amazing, fantastic. You know, I think the band have got it as well. Um, so is that as in the um, the flagging colour? The yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. So do so, we have the single single lights for a while? We had a, a Traxxas system. Uh, unfortunately, they broke. It failed, yeah. Or, you yeah, can't get it, it fixed. Yeah. Uh, as far that as I understand, yeah, they, they were fantastic when they worked, but they did have a lot of issues. Um, one of the biggest issues to us being that because Wanneroo was so undulating as you go over the top of the hill, uh, and particularly sort of post five, six, seven, and 8 over the back, um, weren't the radio signal to them wasn't always fantastic. So particularly 
uh, on yeah. race days where we go safety car and all the boards would, would flash yellow. Uh, and then, you know, we'd on the flash... race starts, they used to go bonkers as well. Yeah. But, you know, on a safety car restart, you know, they would, they would flash green and it was generally post six, post seven calling through that, you know, Hey, my track support is still flashing yellow. Um, which is not ideal on a safety car restart. No, not at all. Um, but yeah, something like alley tracks would be amazing. Um, I know that there's uh, a lot of heavy discussion about wanting to be flag marshals and not button monkeys. But at the same time, uh, I believe the the solution is to, you know, both have the lights on display and wave your flags at the same time, but also having, uh, you know, the, those light systems there as a backup or, you know, something, an, an addition to your arsenal is, is so important. Uh, and... You know, it, if it's if it takes you a full second to get a yellow flag out, but it takes you half a second to push the button to get the yellow lights displayed, um, you know, that half a second can... Uh, I wouldn't necessarily say the, the difference between life and death, but can be significant in, in the incident response. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it would be... Um... You know, I think everyone would really uh, appreciate it. Any, anything extra so you can... And maybe the stewards would like it more than us drivers can say, well, you didn't see the flags, you didn't see the light board. Yeah, yeah. You didn't see the big yellow and blue falcon going past you. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> Probably the only other thing I'd change is um, <clears throat> blue flagging at uh, at post six on the way down into turn six uh, is very difficult for us as, as officials because uh, you see the cars come over the crest of the hill at five for about oh, yeah. so, a second and yeah. you've got bugger all time to react to get a blue flag out. Um, so I'd love to have a bit of an earlier warning as to when you can get your blues yeah. out for there. But apart and from that, flagging. yeah, exactly. So uh, I, I look, I think for someone like myself who's done it for so long, has a lot of experience uh, and sort of, I know the cars, and, I know who yeah. drives them and I know what to expect. Um, you know, uh, take take the, the free formula or formula libre, whatever you want to call them, you know. There's a number of <laughs> really older, uh, quite quick cars that are always at the front and then a couple of, you know, like I think it's uh, Glenn Swarbrick's Formula Ford who's normally at the back. You kind of just know that that's always going to be the case and you know that, oh, yeah, after, say, three laps of the race, those faster cars are going to be on the back of him and you've got to be ready with your blues, which is, you know, for me about paying attention to the race. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. No, that's that's cool. I was glad to hear that. The um, back to the licensing structure. So you're talking about the upgrades you do. Um, so they pretty much govern what level you can be at between. So you go general, bronze, silver, gold. Um, pretty pretty hard to get gold, or, or pretty much impossible. And then silver's pretty hard in WA to get. Because you got to do it at a national event, right? So, uh, no, you can do. Or your, has that changed now? You can do your silver upgrade at a state event, which is what I yeah. did. So I did my silver upgrade at at last October meeting. Um, but being a silver license means that you can be a chief at a national event. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so, cool. Uh, so, say for example, next year when the supercars are here, I could be chief flags because I've got my silver license. 
Cool. And do you like as as your group of officials? Obviously, you look to your more senior members to to uh, sort of give you guidance and and talk about that. You know, you can actually go and do the V8 rounds interstate. You're quite welcome once you get up in those levels, and um, you can go to the Formula One. You get invited overseas for the the big enduros and stuff like that. There's some quite cool stories there. I know plenty of officials that have gone and, and taken those opportunities. Um, does that? Do you guys have like a mentor, or, or you guys get the information quite freely to to talk about those things? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I think in terms of someone as a mentor, I think we all look to people like Danny. Uh, Danny's doing uh, incredible stuff, as we mentioned already. Who's you know deputy race director this year with TCR Australia. Um, you know, every year she's doing you know whether it be Bathurst, uh, you know Newcastle Five Hundred, you know those are the big events over east um people like nathan fan matt newman those kind of people who regularly go over for for, for clips all that sort of stuff um you know the the kind of uh not expectation but kind of general thing is hey we're gonna have a couple of people go over who wants to come with so you know that for, for us that's kind of a way of um introducing a, a you know each other to larger events. You know, uh, possibly that the worst thing about about Perth is that we only get one major um, national or international sort of level motorsport event at, at Wanneroo, and I'd certainly love to see more of those events. Um, you know, as opposed to say, say Victoria, for example. You know, Victoria have got a have got the Australian Grand Prix, have got the MotoGP Grand Prix, have got. Uh, a, a supercars round at Sandown at Phillip Island and at Winton, uh, as well as, you know, the ARG TCR events at Phillip Island, uh, you know, at Sandown, all those sorts of things. They've got, you know, say 10 national level events every year and we've only got one. So yeah. um, for us, you know, we can be quite experienced in the way things we do. We, we can be quite experienced in the way that we do things at Wanneroo but certainly going over east, going overseas is a massive step up and, you know, a new opportunity to learn things. So, um, you know, certainly a mentor sort of thing. We look at those sort of people who regularly go over and do those events and try and tag along with them. Yeah, cool. Um, Shane already asked one of the ones I was, uh, I was asked to ask as well, but uh, obviously streakers were one of the weirdest things you've seen at a, at a uh, race and obviously it's around the houses type of event where you see that. What's the weirdest thing you've seen a driver do at Wanneroo? Uh, oh. I reckon I've seen a lot of weird stuff. I'm not sure all of it's uh, family-friendly, I'll be honest. Yeah, you don't have to name names. or You don't even have to name car or category. We'll probably uh, have to pick it up from whatever it is. But Okay, probably one of the weirdest. And I laugh about it now, but I was pretty upset when it happened. Uh, there was... Oh probably going back a few years now in a saloon car race. I was flagging at post 11 that day, which is uh, at the exit of turn seven, uh, the entry to pit lane. Uh, we had a saloon car. Post. Oh, it's fantastic. We had a, a saloon car uh, spin there uh, and he dropped the entire back of the field. And this was on like lap one or something like that to the point where he was stuck there for so long that he got lapped. Uh, yeah, wow. And when he rejoined, he was middle of the pack, uh, which was okay for him because he was a middle of the pack driver. So he just kept on driving with his mates. Um, 
But for me and for some of the other flaggies who saw the incident, knew that he was a lap down, you know, we're giving him the blue flag because he's a lap down. Yeah. Uh, and he gave me the bird one lap as he came by. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I know I'm a lap down. I'm not giving it away. <laughs> yeah. Was was pretty much the, uh, the, the yeah, and certainly you, know, you kind of call through those gestures to raise control and, and I believe the stewards had a bit of a chat with him after that one and uh, I believe he uh, he promised that he wouldn't do it again and wasn't going to get upset about uh, spinning out and losing a lap and getting blue flag for it. Please tell me, is Nisi and uh, Danny let him off? Oh, do you know what? It was so long ago, I can't even remember who it was. <laughs> no, that's right. We can't, we can't bring that stuff down. Oh, cool. But, you know, there's other weird stuff I've seen happen. Um, uh, you know, Tyler will hate me for calling, for saying this, but I've got to say it anyway. Uh, Tyler made one of the, the best radio calls ever uh, a few years ago. <laughs> um, I think this was 20... 17, 2018, the first Night Masters of the year, back when the XLs used to race with the HQs. Uh, we had a HQ spin in turn six. Tyler was on post six. Had a HQ spin in turn six, stuck middle of the track. XL came through, unsighted T-bone the, the HQ. Uh, massive, massive accident, and you know, got cleaned up and whatever. And Tyler was asked to do a written report on the incident and stuff like that. And when the, the you know the incident details came through, came through to Tyler. Um, he asked a question about one of the car numbers and said, is this a, uh, a Hyundai or an XL? <laughs> Obviously meaning to ask, is it a, is it a Hyundai or a, or a HQ? But yeah, you know, one of those kind of brain fart things when you, uh, Oh, we love him. Know, eh? But he's great. But you know, as I said, I've seen lots of weird stuff. I've seen, I've seen cars roll at odd spots of the circuit. I've seen, you know, at a tuning day, I had a Formula V top of the, you know, park on racing line at the top of the crest on the back straight outside oh, post eight, smoking. And when Nathan Fenn and I got out there and go, you know, confirm that it was a battery fire and then suddenly look around and trying to find a screwdriver to get the, uh, the, the, the cover off the, off the, you know, nose cone of the Formula V to get to the battery to put it out. And sort of scrambling and realizing we don't have a screwdriver, having to run back to pit lane to grab a new screwdriver to then come all the way back out to put the fire out. You know, weird yeah. things that you're not prepared for, but just deal with in the moment and, and enjoy the way you deal with it. Ah, cool. Yeah, and that's, uh, yeah, the tuning days, I've seen some weird things. I've seen a, a Porsche parked in the middle of the turn seven split by two saloons in a sports sedan. And it's, uh, yeah, so yeah, I remember that. To... That, was, that was interesting. That was sketchy. Yeah, I was. That I've. Yeah, that was a scary one. But it's it, it's just motorsport. The um, quick fire. What's your favourite category to watch? Uh, I knew you were going to ask me this. And I hate you for asking me this because I want to say I love them all equally. Um, That's if a you're dirty, gonna... dirty lie. <laughs> <laughs> if you're going to make me pick one, I've probably got to go with Excels. Uh Yeah. Cool. I love that the XLs are very close racing. It's always, you know, racing for sheep stations. I love that it's it's all or nothing all the time. Um, yeah, and good numbers. And always good numbers. But I can say yeah. that about most categories too. You know, uh, the HQs, although they're small numbers, put on great racing. The Vs are great too. Um, you know, saloons are always good fun to watch. Um, 
you know, everything's really, really good to watch. The, the only category, I don't know, you're going to ask me this in a minute, so I might as well tell you now. The category that I probably don't like the most is regularity, and that's just because it's a race against the clock, not a race against each other. Yeah, good. The clock doesn't fight back. Exactly. Brandis. Yeah. <laughs> No, I think mean, regularity gets a bit of a bad name. Like outwardly, out, outwardly, it is. Yes, it is a very boring category. Um, but for it's those guys in. to be able to do lap after lap, and some of them get you know no penalty points because they're you know in milliseconds of their previous lap without any technical aids, like that's pretty awesome. It's got a um, time and a place. But when I've just watched <laughs> twenty XLs fight for the lead of a race or, you know, the, the top three Formula Vs, you know, cross a checkered flag or within half a second of each other to then watch one car every 15 seconds do a regularity event. Yeah, it's a bit dull. <laughs> yeah, no, I get that. But at the same time, I think it's good that we are still trying to keep a lap regularity or, or time attack or whatever uh, you call absolutely. it Absolutely. I, I think at, it's a, at a race a meeting. Very, very good entry-level motorsport. And I would highly recommend it to people wanting to try motorsport for the first time. Yeah, and that's that's the exact point of it. And I think having it at a race meeting exposes you to how a proper race meeting goes, as opposed to on a normal day where that's a standalone event. You don't get it. It's heaps easy to get you hooked and go door to door racing. You know what right. I mean? Um, but I wasn't going to ask you which one you don't like, but that's that's cool. You done that. Um, and then I was going to ask you what's <laughs> what's your favourite national or international category that you watch? That that's your sort of your fan watch. Uh, international. Probably IndyCar. Uh, yeah, good one. I love IndyCar. Have done for many, many years. Um, and certainly with the way my work hours are sometimes, I, I'm very inclined to uh, middle of light racing that's perfectly normal for me, that's, you know, coherent for US time zones. Um, cool. National level, probably, at the moment, probably TCR. Um, I'd yep. love to say S5000, but I just don't think there's enough cars in that category at the moment. But, uh, yeah, probably TCR or Trans Am. They're fantastic to watch. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, last question i got for you before I give you back to Big Bad Shane. Um, do you have a pre-race day superstition? Uh, you, know, we've had, you probably heard it, but we've asked all the drivers the same thing. Officials the same. You know, Do you wear green socks? Do you have to use the same toilet stall? Um, you know, not, not quite. Uh, okay. All right. Officially no. Uh, but probably unofficially. Yeah. There is a couple of things. Uh, first and foremost is Peter Morley will normally tell me a dad joke and I'll normally tell him where he can stick it. Um, that always happens. And it's, it's one of the, you know, I'll walk in the door into the, into the flagging shed and Peter will just come straight out with a dad joke and I'll just turn around and leave because it's, you know, one of those kind of jokes. Uh, and the other thing is normally Tyler will poke his head in and say, it's quiet, and we'll all try and, you know, <laughs> see who can be the first to smack him in the head for ruining our day. Yeah, brilliant. That's, um, yeah, it's, uh, that's brilliant. The uh, dad jokes, I was just trying to think. I told a really good one today about, uh, there's, a, there's a Star Wars theme one being the, uh, uh, fourth, um, uh, I can't remember how it went. It was about Wookiee steak and someone didn't like the chewy steak or whatever it was. I can't, I can't remember when I just pushed it, but dad jokes are great things. Yeah, they're um, always great to walk into. It's fun. 
it's a lot yeah. of fun. I'm going to have to poke because my when I'm racing, my shed's only just straight across from the flaggy shed there. Mm. I'm going to have to uh, poke my head in every time to say, oh, it seems quiet today. <laughs> Always welcome, started. but not with those kind of words. <laughs> <laughs> All right. No, thanks, Eve, for talking to you. It's um, yeah, good to get some insights. It's, um, I-, I hope we can uh, – you know, I'm keen to see Shane out there flagging, and uh, hopefully he can get that American NASCAR uh, Infinity Wave thing that they do. You know, they do the the eight by eight by eight, or however they. I've had yeah. it described to me before. They, um, yeah, get that going, and uh, it'll be good. Absolutely, I, I great to have a, a chat with you, and I, I'd love seeing you out there more racing, mate. Cool. Just trying to show you there. I've found found the app. Oh, wonderful. Found the app. Found the app. What does that say? Official general. Well, we can upgrade general. you. Well, you, can, you can become official bronze. Official general, it says. Does that mean we have to salute you, general, officially? You should always salute me anyway. <laughs> it's a bad idea. <laughs> oh, I had something there, but oh, I think I've used up my um, shit stirring quota for the... For the episode, <laughs> I'll have to tell you it off off, off air. I reckon. Yeah. Um, anyway, um, so this is a bit of a different one to uh, to ask because we usually ask our, our uh, motorsport peeps, you know, who they'd want to um, have as their co-driver or mentor or you know that sort of thing, um, but. If you could, if you, if you could stand there at the end of the race, and you're allowed to congr- congratulate one driver, all right, you're allowed to congr- congratulate one driver from any era of motorsport, dead or alive. We'll bring them back to life if we have to. Who would you want to be able to like shake their hand at the end of the race and go well done to, and perhaps have a little chat? Uh it's a very good question. Uh, and honestly, I wouldn't have a clue. Um, okay. Uh, do you know what? I, I say this because I feel like it's already happened for me. Um, over the weekend, got to have a bit of a quick chat with Craig Lowndes, got to have a bit of a quick chat with Chaz Mostert. And yep. both of them, you know, you know, uh, you know, particularly for guys like Chazzy, you know, now that the people like Tander are tied and stuff like that, you know, I, I look out for, for guys like Chaz, and you know, I you know, I I had an opportunity on the Friday uh, when I was there to say, you know, hey, good luck for the weekend. You know, great seeing you back at Perth. And he, you know, had a genuine moment being able to stop and say, hey, thanks for being out here. Thanks for helping us go racing. You know, we genuinely couldn't do it without you. And it's such a, uh, uh, you know, from such a superstar like him uh, and like Lounsey to be able to, you know, for them to to to, to take the time to have a moment with you, it's it's awesome. So, yeah, someone like Leonzi and Chaz Moster, those kind of guys, they're fantastic. Okay. Fine. All right. Um, so now's your time. Now's your time to convince people listening to this episode <clears throat> to go out, get off their butts, and do some officiating. You got you got up to ten minutes. Try it. Sell it to us. I don't think it'll take me ten minutes. Uh, motor racing is a, a fantastic sport. 
Uh, and as much as I think some of us would like to be in the driver's seat uh, as a Santa Brent, some of us haven't got the talent or the money to to get in the seat. Um, and that's where I found my love of officiating and particularly flagging, getting to be super close to the action, uh, see parts of the track that you've never seen before, see parts of the track that you only get to see on TV, for example. Um, it's a fantastic way to spend a couple of days. Uh, you get to learn so much. Um, you get to hear a lot of things before before it happens. You know, you take, take for example, the, the scary incident to Scott Pye over the weekend. You know, I was over the back of the circuit. But as soon as it happened, you know, you get the radio call that there's been a, a serious incident on the front straight. You get the car number involved. You get the message that the driver's okay, fortunately, which is always what you want to hear. Um, but, you know, because you're working for the event, you kind of always get an ETA on, you know, okay, right, this is a damage. This is how long it's going to take to fix. This is our, you know, estimated return to schedule. You, you always kind of in the loop and know what's going on, which I love. Um, but, yeah, I, I think um, for those people who are interested in motorsport, um, but don't want to race or, or can't afford to race, um, come and volunteer for a day, come and give it a go, see what it's all about. Um, particularly for young officials, um, WFMA, the Water Roof Flag Marshal Association, um, we're looking at running another young official program this year, uh, hopefully coinciding with, I think it's the July race meet when the Trans Ams are going to be over here. Um, awesome. Which would be, you know, predominantly a young officials program, uh, people uh, 16 to 25 um, to get people, uh, basically we, you know, we go around the circuit, um, we go and see flaggies, we go and see pit lane and grid, um, we go and see the starter, we go and see fire and recovery, we go and see medical, we go and see race control, we go and see the race office, we have a chat with everyone there, we talk to the chiefs, we talk to the people who work there, um, what is it that your role is? You know, why do you like doing it? How long have you been doing it? You know, a bit like this chat um, and get everybody the opportunity to, to experience what it is to be an official, spend some time in that area, and then typically after the lunch break, kind of go, right, well, you've seen the whole area. Is there a spot that you'd like to spend the rest of the afternoon? Um, and at the end of the day, kind of go, you know, right, let's go and have a drink because we can all have a drink. You know, we all get a, a couple of free drinks and free food at the end of the day, which is always a, a lovely thing for us. Um, and an opportunity to just have a chat, have a debrief, talk a lot of crap with each other, uh, you know, give each other shit about the day, you know, whether you messed up a radio call, whether you dropped a flag or whatever, the opportunity to have a laugh, have a chat with everyone. Um, it's such a big family atmosphere, and that's why I... I love it, and I encourage people um, really to to come out and give it a go. Um, you know, get in touch with either the, the WA Sporting Car Club, people like Lauren, who's the officials coordinator. She's brilliant at what she does. She'll put you in touch with the right people. She'll get your, your paperwork organised. Or, uh, you know, for, for me personally, uh, getting in touch with the Ronald Flag Marshal Association, WFMA, um, we'd love to have new members on board, um, people coming and trying it for the first time 
it's always fantastic when we get new people to to come and try it, see what it's like. Um, and we always love having new members come through and joining us. We, we're always having, always excited to have more people join our family. I think. Sweet. Well, you've already wrote me in for uh, the twenty-first. I love that. That's that's going to be brilliant. <laughs> you can. Um, I, I have already sent a message to the WFMA committee saying that you will be there for the June twenty-first. So I am holding oh. you to that. I am uh, holding you to that, Shane. Well and truly dubbed in. Well and truly dubbed in. Let us go. Brilliant. No, we'll um, we'll make sure we uh, get a few cameras down as well to. Uh, capture the gloriousness of what's going to happen. For sure. I love it, mate. That'd be fantastic. <laughs> and We'll, we'll uh, let yeah. you drive the recovery vehicle, you know, break a few bumpers and as you try and tie people out, you Ooh, know, wave a few flags. Fun. Oh, it's always fun, mate. I've, you know, you got to go in there and dig the car out first, oh. but then you can drive it. Oh. Yeah, yeah, they yeah. do really well, like... Down the the physical knee. manual labor? Yeah. No, that's yeah. why we have shovels. If you really enjoy it, there's the point to point on the 22nd, you can go watch Peter Morley uh, drive his saloon car through the barriers. Absolutely. Yeah. And then you could also be the first person who may have called him through. And that's kind of not a great thing. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> there was always discussion about who was going to be the first person to call Pete Morley through for something. So, and, I've, uh, and I won that title. <laughs> so, <laughs> fortunately that's or good. unfortunately. <laughs> Whatever way you want to I think it's it. really cool that, um, you know, Peter's getting a pedal and uh, oh, it, It's good. great. And I think that um, certainly with WFMA, we've gone through a bit of a change this year and I'm, I'm very happy to be part of it. Um, you know, Pete Morley's been president for a few years now um, and I value his contribution and what he's done for us as a, a Flaggies Association. Um, but him stepping aside at the end of last year as president um, to let myself and Peter Westbrook, uh, you know, be president and vice president of, of WFMA uh, and lead the association. Uh, and Pete's absolutely right that there's no way we can get younger people involved if all they see at the top is old faces. So I love that Pete's going to have a go uh, and start driving and hopefully he enters a couple of races soon because I'd love to get him, see him get, you know, crash bang, swallowed up by the field because I think that'd be absolutely brilliant. Um, but at the same time, it's great to have an opportunity to, to be the vice president this year and work with Pete Westbrook uh, to try and, you know, new strategies to try and get more people to come out and join us. And, and certainly as younger faces, hopefully it means that um, we get to see younger faces join us as well. Awesome. Cool. Absolutely. And, yeah, we're, we're lucky in... Like I said, we, there's, a, there's a great respect for a lot of the officials out there, and we've got some good guys, you know, like, like I said, the Morleys, um, you know, P. Patterson down in the in the pit lane. He's one of my favourites. He's, um, he's, a, he's a good dude. So Absolutely, um, yeah. There's so many good people, both, you know, both drivers and officials, and and the Wanneroo track is, as I say, it's like a second family to me, you know. Uh, I value it more than I value my work family, if you, if you, you know, put it that way. Well, you get to pick to be at the track. You don't get to pick a be at work sometimes. I'm with you yeah, on that one. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> what do you do for work away from the track? Uh, I'm currently night film manager at Coles. So, okay. uh, as I say... Oh, that, here's a dad joke for you. Yeah, go on. What do you call a burnt-down Woolworths? Coles. Coles. Oh, <sighs> so bad. That's the kind of joke I get from Pete Morley, and that's the kind of joke that makes me turn around first thing in the morning and go home. 
<laughs> uh, no, I'd never go home. But that's the sort of joke that makes me that that, that welcomes me to the track every morning. I, every time My I get to. My son's favorite joke. I love it, and I love it as well. So yeah, success. So, uh, yeah, at the moment, uh, <laughs> Nightfield Grocery Manager at Coles. Love what I do over there, um, and certainly it gets me on a uh, a slightly different time zone, uh, should we say, uh, which means that it, it's good for uh, racing overseas. Uh, can watch yeah, a lot absolutely. more international motorsport. Yeah, you'll be able to watch Miami on the weekend. I certainly will be, yeah. That fantastic. Marina, the Marina. fake Marina, yeah, yeah. I think the best meme of it is the one with um, uh, Steiner and the IKEA playground ship in the middle of it. I think it's. Uh, <laughs> I haven't fantastic. seen that one yet, but I remember well, that from Driver Survive. I bet you that's going to be great. Yeah. <laughs> Alrighty, well that wraps it up for episode fifty-one. Fifty-one. Um, thank you very much for joining us, Nathan, and having a chat. Thanks very much um, for having me on, guys. Appreciate it. And, um, yeah, hopefully some people will listen to this and uh, want to go check out uh, volunteering at their local motorsport uh, events, whatever discipline it is, um, and get to meet some pretty cool people while they do it. And, of course, be right close to the action as well. Absolutely. Best part about it. Absolutely. Uh, Brent, anything before we go? Nah, that just thank you everyone who came out to the V8s. Was a uh, well, the supercars, I should say. Awesome weekend, had a blast, and uh, yeah, really appreciate it being back home in WA. It was fantastic. And, I loved the event. And you should all be there for the local racing on May 28th and 29th. Yep. I look forward to seeing you at Chimney Day, Shane. <laughs> I'll be there. <laughs> Good on to it. And on that note, episode's over. Goodbye. Shane here from Behind the Sport. Thanks for listening to our latest episode. If you don't already follow us, head on over to Facebook and Instagram. Find us on there. Give us a follow. Or visit our website, behindthesport.net. Catch up with the latest motorsport news. Find all of our previous episodes. And, of course, you can leave us comments on those as well. You can also find us on your favourite podcast provider, such as Amazon Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, iTunes, and more. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time.